Okay, dumb bitches, before we get to the episode, we have a very important announcement that you all need to hear. Ellen is pregnant with my baby. (laughs) No, we're going back on tour, but it's kind of like the same thing because our tour shows are like our baby. It's true. Guess what? We are going to be in New Orleans on June 8th. Over to St. Louis, June 10th. Pittsburgh, June 12th. My hometown of San Francisco, June 18th. And then we will finish you all off in Phoenix on June 19th. We are so excited to go on tour. You know we love our live show. We love our down bitches. So bring your drag-alongs, bring your mom and thems, and all the league-gating. What is it? Diggy-doing and league-gating amongst of them. And guess what? We also have some special merch that you'll only be able to find on our tour. So go to our website, get those tickets. We cannot wait to see you and squeeze your face. Imagine if we had a baby. Oh, God. Well, let me tell you something. Oh, every time you yep. say it like that, yeah. you sound like you're doing a bad Barry White impression. Well, that's and okay. I know something is coming. And you know what? You tell us every episode. Well, we're here. We know. <laughs> you're here. So you're going to go that? along for the ride. Well, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> every what? time. Yesterday, I met Nick and a couple of his friends from dance class. And Nick loves to play this game where he goes, How old do you think Joey is? And this girl looked at me and she goes, I mean, I'm going to guess a little older. And I said, all right, go ahead. And she said, 26? Now, let me tell you. I know how my mother felt through the 80s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s because everyone always thought my mom was much younger than she was. And I don't know if it's from all that diggy doing and legating in the swamp waters, but I'm doing something right. And I will drink that back swamp water if it means that I can look like this and I don't have to sleep in formaldehyde every night. Thank you, Rose. <laughs> Are you done bragging? Yes, I am. Not. No, I'll never be done. You are so annoying. <laughs> Welcome to I Think Not, the podcast where Joey sits and brags and I actually do the real work. You're very adorable. Let me and have you, this. Ju- you just sit here and brag. I don't. And I'm doing the heavy lifting. You know what? This is, you are lying through your teeth because you're twisting this around. Really? Yes. Look, here comes a twister. (laughs) No, because I don't brag. I'm not a bragger. You are. You've become more of a bragger the older we get. The older we get, the more you brag. About what? Everything. Everything. Don't give me that face. You sit and brag about how cute and young you look. And honestly, our listeners feed your ego. So also, I am putting some of this on them. You all do this. You are all responsible. Eve, is that BetterHelp promo code still live? <laughs> if you would like more of Joey and I, you can always find extra bonus ad-free episodes over on the Patreon. We got a bunch of stuff. We got so much stuff there. If you're taking a long trip, or guess what? You just want to piss off your husband who thinks we're too loud, head on over to our Patreon and see what we've got for you. <laughs> and it's all there for you. Anything else you want to say before we actually get to the work? Did you watch the episode? I love and respect you, and I resent all of these accusations. Okay, great. I'll take a poll. Shove I'm it pe- up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we are. <laughs> we are here. We have a new Ooh. series 
for you. Joey picked this one, and I really, really like it. Oh, good. And it is called Deadly Wives. And if you want to watch along with us, you can watch it on Hulu, or you can watch it on Amazon. And I think you need, like, the A&E extension or something. Yeah, we're just going to tell you, for some reason, the first episode is not to be found. Not to be found. Anywhere. <laughs> someone pulled it. Someone sued someone. Someone didn't like something. It's yes. gone. I know. It's like the reason why Ben Platt is famous. It's like, I don't know. It's not, no one can find the reason. And no one can find the first episode yeah. of Deadly Wise. Ben Platt in the Patreon at the 10. <laughs> Thank is- you so much. <laughs> now, this show is called Deadly Wives. Now, on the Patreon, we did cover a show called Deadly Women, This is totally different because these are women who are deadly, but they are married. Yes. Yeah. So it's different because someone decided they decided they wanted to get married, which is, you know, good for you. Yeah. And uh, it's totally different. Yeah. So here we are. So here we are. (laughs) Season one, episode two, which is really episode one, Uh because who knows where episode one is. Things aren't always what they seem. Which is the story of our lives. Yeah. (laughs) In small towns across America, everything looks picture perfect. But behind closed doors, sometimes wives have secrets. I don't want this suburban housewife, church-going life. I don't know what she wanted, but clearly this wasn't it. They say, happy wife, happy life. These are not those stories. I would expect to see high emotions. I didn't see any of that. Your husband is in critical condition in ICU, and you took the time to go get your hair done. And who pays the ultimate price? The men who vowed till death do us part. I hate to see people get away with murder. I just can't abide by it. Let me tell you the format of this show. There's two stories. Yeah. They don't bounce back and forth, but there's two of them. And they're two really good stories. They are. Yeah. And well, let's start with the first one. Sure. Here we are in Wilmington, North Carolina, in the year of our Lord, 2002. And you know what show was still filming in Wilmington, North Carolina at this time? Dawson's Creek. That's it. Play the music. I don't want to wait. Yeah. I just wanted to sing Paula Cole. I do love That's Paula Cole. That's all you wanted Did you to do. watch Dawson's Creek? I didn't. Not a single season? No. Yeah, they lost me after a few seasons. But I it was didn't like... Watch a, I still don't watch a lot of TV. I didn't watch a lot of TV as like a teenager or in college because I was always doing stuff. You were more of a movie person than a TV show person, yeah, right? Yeah, but I was always like, you know, doing soccer or theater. So after school, I didn't get home till like 9 or 10 o'clock. I mean, you didn't miss anything. It was like days of our lives for teenagers. Yeah. So... Well, in the intro, they say one of my favorite phrases, which is... Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. I tried to look up the root for that saying, Uh and it seems to have come from some real estate ad at some, I don't know. The internet told me it came from a real estate ad, and um, I would like to amend that quote. Go ahead. I don't like that quote. Do you like that quote? I mean, immediately when I hear it, it sounds like, if you don't keep your wife happy, you're going to have a miserable lot. You know what well, I mean? Well, that's what, that's the, yeah. the, the, you just changed around the words right. and said right. the exactly. same thing. I'm, I'm like, of course it's rooted in misogyny. I can, I yeah. can sniff it out. I would just like to change it to, it's no one's job to make you happy in life. Yeah. Go get cheese fries. How about this? Don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. 
But after he says Wilmington, North Carolina, are you glad we're not in Louisiana anymore? I mean, my God, we have spent way too much time there. I mean, we're still in the South. I know. It's still like your people. I know. So Ann Miller is here, and I loved her in Kiss Me, Kate. (laughs) It's too darn hot. It's too darn hot. And something, something, and something more. It's too darn I don't know. She was amazing, Ann Miller. Those legs. She could tap like that up until... I mean, late in life. Yeah, she was. She wasn't messing around. I did watch around. that number on YouTube today. I pulled it up. She's she was amazing. Well, we hear about this Ann Miller, who totally is a, different Ann Miller. Yes, who is a suburbanite, and she's currently on a phone call that is being recorded, and we hear that recording. Why don't you all take a listen? I don't even use phones unless I have to, because we all know my lines are so incredibly tapped that it's insane. Every phone conversation, every move I make, every purchase I make is all tracked. Everything is hell. I am in living hell. That is a conversation between Ann Miller and her former sister-in-law, Pam. Why former sister-in-law? Well, that's because Ann's husband, Eric Miller, was murdered two years prior to this phone call. Now, I know what you're thinking. What would be happening to make someone want to tap your phones? We'll listen to more of the call. And I loved him very, 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 very much. Then why don't you go and try to help find out what happened? Yes, that's right. Anne's phones are wired because she is suspect number one in Eric's murder. And we go back, and Eric Miller was from Indiana. He was the youngest of three, and his sister Leanne is here and says he was a sweet soul. He was an athlete and an honor student, and he wore suspenders in his senior year picture, which was a choice. Yes. He kind of looked like a theater nerd. He wasn't a theater nerd. No. But he looked like a theater nerd, and he looks like... The guy I had a crush on in high school. Really? Yep. He's very handsome. He, I had a crush on a twin. So there were twins, the Slapar brothers, mm-hmm. Franz and Ander. And I had a crush on Franz. And the only reason Franz was nice to me was because he wanted to knock boots with my friend, Caitlin Zini. Oh, no. Yeah. I really thought he would come around, um, but I looked him up today. And? They both look really old. <laughs> But Ander is now cuter than Franz. Wow. Do you think they're listening? I don't know. Hi, Franz. I really thought you were going to be like, they're twins, Franz and Hans. No. And I went I went deep in their Facebook today, but this guy looks exactly like him. He's really cute. This guy is very handsome. And he was a smart guy. He was in the honor society. And he ended up enrolling at Purdue University, and he was pre-med. But everything changed when he met a fellow student named Anne Breyer. She was a former high school cheerleader from rural Pennsylvania. Pretty, popular, a good student. The day that he told me about Anne, he lit up. He described her as beautiful and athletic and smart. They both were into doing a lot of outdoor activities, and I think he just felt that as a you know kindred soul. Tell him about Anne, yo buzzard. <laughs> <laughs> she was pretty and athletic and a good student. And Eric really loved her. He was really, really smitten. And he proposed before they graduated. Don't do that. Just finish college. Yeah. And, and you just, you got plenty of time. They were both applying to med school and they wanted to go to the same med school. Yeah, Jesus. That's hard, right? I mean... Yeah, I guess if you're as, as smart as Eric was and you're, tr- like, trying to be a doctor, you've got to be a smart person. It's hard enough getting into med school, but both of them getting into the same med school. The ideals of youth. Yeah. And so 
well, we'll just cut to the chase. That did not happen. Yep. Because Anne had trouble getting into the same schools as Eric. Eric was... Eric had no problem getting into the schools that he wanted to. So then, like most women, Eric dimmed his light for her. Wow. Fair. (laughs) Fair enough. And eventually, they both got into North Carolina State in Raleigh, and they both chose to get their doctorates in biochemistry. And then she didn't want to go on to get her PhD, and she got a job with a pharmaceutical company, and Eric got his PhD, and he got a job as a researcher. Are you ready for this? He was trying to find a cure for pediatric AIDS. What an actual earth angel. And guess what? He loved his work. He loved the idea that he could help sick kids. He was proud. He was fulfilled by his work. Everyone loved him, loved what he did, and loved what he had accomplished. Yeah, Eric was very passionate about his work, and it spoke to the type of man he was. He wanted to help people. And now his work, and I'm assuming her work, more his work, according to the episode, brought in a lot of money. And you know what Anne really, really loved about Eric, which... which is understandable, Mm -hmm. was his paycheck. Mm -hmm. She loved those... Dollar signs. Dollar signs. Yeah. Anne was a spender. They had bought a boat. They had a house. She was constantly buying things. And Eric's sister Leanne says, like, they were spending that money. Like, they had a boat and a house. I'm like, okay, I can get on board with the boat and the house. Or at least the house. Let them buy a house. I mean, you know, were they living beyond their means? Because if... They were. That's just what being a red-blooded American is, you fucking communist. You live outside of your means. You put yourself in debt. I have never lived outside my means a day in my life. I could not even imagine you doing that. I could. Have you ever? Like, I remember meeting a girlfriend of mine who was so talented. She was a rockette. Did you ever know? I don't think you ever knew her. She was a rockette. She was a backup dancer for Cher. So talented. And I remember her telling me when we were like 26 years old, she was like, $45,000 $45,000 in debt. Wow. I was like, how are you going to get out of that? I mean, it's common. It's very common. I mean, my heart breaks for everybody who ever had to take out a student loan. I had to take, no, I get it. Student loans is one thing, but being irresponsible and living beyond your means, sure, it happens. People get into medical debt, people get into debt taking care of their sick family members, those kinds of circumstances. But if you're, if you're racking up, bills at bcbg and louis vuitton Uh, like i do know people who do that that's irresponsible that's i mean it's also just so much work yeah and the stress of living paycheck to paycheck i don't i did that in my 20s i don't want to do that again no there are reasons why people get into debt there's a but this is not this is not that oh no no, they were buying boob jobs over here and then the narrator tells us that some of those things raised eyebrows she had breast augmentation she pierced her belly button. Things that are not typical of a happily married young woman. Um, that's Amanda Lamb speaking, who is a journalist and author. And to that I say, mind your own fucking business. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. I'm like, okay, so a happy young woman can't feel good about herself? I mean, she was like, you know what? My chi-chis are too small. I want them a little bit bigger and I can afford it. Yeah, they're, they're too, we're apples and oranging. Apples and oranging. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I, I, you know, if you are living beyond your means, that's one thing. But also, if you have the money to get your tits done, get your tits done. Great. And also, like, who cares if she got her belly button pierced? That was weird. You know how many people saw Britney Spears in the 90s and were like, I want that. Do you know I still have a hole in my belly button from my belly button that I took out probably 20 years ago? When I was 21, I was wasted out of my mind and my friend dared me to get a belly button piercing and I had it and I had it for maybe a day or two. Oh, I loved my belly button ring at the 
the time, but that hole's never going away. Should we re-pierce it? Mm, I'm going to okay. make you sing I'm a slave for you I in my living I do really room. want another tattoo. We're going to talk about this later. <laughs> but anyway, like, mind your own fucking business. Yeah. Who cares if she got her boobs done? So six years of wedded something, they had a baby. And Eric was really hands-on with their baby girl. And Anne was overwhelmed. The way they were describing it, she seemed very attached from the baby. And I'm, of course, not diagnosing her. But it did seem a little postpartum depression that the way exactly she was saying. what I wrote down. Yeah. I was like, you don't know what kind of mental state she was in yeah. after that. It's uh, it's not uncommon. They were making her out to be very selfish. Maybe she was. They were saying she needed and demanded a lot of me time. That might have been the case. She might have been suffering. And also, some people don't want to be parents. Yeah. And they find themselves in situations that they don't. We don't know what that answer is. She might have been a horrible, selfish person and was sitting and stuffing her face with Cheez-Its while Eric did all the heavy lifting. We don't know. Again, a weird thing to point out, in my opinion. I agree. I wrote literally what I was thinking. I was like, could she be an asshole? Yes. Could she be experiencing postpartum depression? Yes. Could it be both? Yes. Yeah. November 15th, 2000 started off like any other day. Eric dropped off their 10-month-old baby at daycare. He went to work and during his lunch hour, played a quick game of tennis. After work, Eric met a group of colleagues at a local bowling alley for a guy's night out. And while he's bowling, he starts to feel really sick. Not just a little bit, like really sick. You know when that happens when it just like it hits you like you hit a wall? You're like, oh, I am not well. Yeah. It just really comes I've on. I've seen that happen to you and you've seen that happen to me once or twice. Yeah. Where it's like, You're just like, I got to go now. Yeah. So he thought he had the stomach flu. That's how sick he got. And he just kept getting worse and worse. And we're talking like he had to go to the hospital. He was really in a bad state. So Anne brings him to the ER. They run a bunch of tests. And Eric is experiencing congestive heart failure. I mean, he was in critical condition. This man is 30 years old. And the doctors are like, I have no fucking clue why you are so sick. And Dr. William Barry, who is the oncologist that worked on Eric, is thinking... Well, he works in a research lab, so maybe he was exposed to some sort of bacteria or pathogen. Who knows? Yeah, he was healthy. He was just a researcher. Like, what is going on? But he was so sick that they did not know how long he had. Yeah. He was in intensive care. So obviously his family is flying in in a panic from all over. Everyone rushes to his side. Everyone but Anne. Now, I love a blowout. Do not get me wrong. I will find a dry bar wherever we are going and get a blowout. But your husband was in the trauma center, babe. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? She was like, you know, I would love to stay, but I have an appointment with Antonio at the hair today, die tomorrow uh, hair salon. <laughs> and uh, I've got to get this these roots done. Yeah. And this hair isn't going to curl itself. No. I, uh, my hot rollers, they petered out. Yeah. I need... I need, you understand. You understand. I'm going to treat myself. Yeah. What? I mean, what am I going to do? He's laying in a bed. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? He won't even know I'm gone. I, he's in congestive heart failure. Yeah. And you know what? It would break his heart if he woke up and saw that I still had black roots because that is how much he loved me. Yeah. Now I'm going to see Antonio and get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. Six days passed. Eric's health was failing. Eric was so frail at that point. You know, a 30-year-old, vibrant, healthy young man that was 
practically a skeleton. He had lost probably 30 pounds. It was just heartbreaking to see him that way, but he was, even in that moment, he was so appreciative. This poor man has been in the hospital for six days. Everyone is so confused. Everyone's like, he eats well. The man went and played tennis on his lunch break. Yeah, he was very frail at this point, but all of a sudden, Eric starts making an improvement, and... Soon he was well enough to be discharged. He was better, but they had no answers. That would drive me crazy. Well, yeah. If someone were like, you're sick, I'd be, what is it? Give it a name. Make up a name. I want to know what it is. Not knowing what the hell made this guy go. He lost 30 pounds in the hospital. Yeah, you know, I remember when I was like 13, my mother caught an airborne virus that they don't know, like, they didn't know what was happening. My mom was violently ill. We had to take her to the ER. I was freaking out, freaking out. And I remember for the longest time, it just messed up her equilibrium, and she couldn't... She, was it vertigo? We don't know. Like, they didn't know. All they kept saying was, we think it's an airborne virus, but it was scary because there were no answers. And I don't know if my mom ever really got an answer other than airborne virus. Wow. Yeah, but I'm when I tell you, it leveled her. That's so scary. What about the time you got that, what was that disease called? Uh, Gay. Shediatidote? <laughs> what was it called? Shediatidote? Was it called shitty attitude? What was it called? When did that happen? Have you gotten You are over- fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> did you oh, get Oh, a- yes. She's got, you've got that West Nile disease, shediatidote. Yeah, shit, yeah. It comes from the Dutch, <laughs> and the direct translation is shitty attitude. Yeah. No, that's what it means. It, yeah. And it just means he's a cunt. You know what? And there's um, nothing we can do. He is beyond our help or care. Uh, the diagnose, the prognosis has come back, mm-hmm. and you tested positive for being, for being a, a cunt. <laughs> Soon Eric was well enough to go home. But there was still no answer to what had caused this mysterious illness. Concerned, Eric's parents remained in town to watch over him. They stayed for the next week, cooked the meals, took care of him. By the end of the week, Eric was so much better that his parents decided to go out to dinner. He gets home. They still don't know because the test results are not back. And his parents are staying with him for the week after he is out to care for him. And he was sort of on the mend. So one night his parents are like, we need to go. We need to get out of here. Let's go down to the Regal Beagle. Let's go out for dinner. Let's just go out for dinner. He's like, please go. They had been doting on him. They had been by his side for like two weeks now. They get home. Eric is sick again. What they they had to take him back to the hospital. They were like, we just went out for chicken parms. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they literally rushed him right back to that hospital. But fortunately, the hospital had the results of all of those tests that he had taken the week before. And you know what they found? Arsenic. A lethal amount of arsenic in this man's body. We're right back with deadly women. What in the deadly women? I had no concept of how much arsenic was used in modern days of your today. We don't talk about arsenic enough. Well, here's the thing. Arsenic used to be a little more accessible. I mean, I I think on one of those episodes in Deadly Women, it was used on one of those, what are those bug 
traps that you hang from the ceiling. Yeah. And so that had arsenic in it. And so what people would do is take them, soak them in water, and that's how they would extract the poison and poison people that way. But you can't get those anymore. And so- Was that from Deadly Women? Yeah. These people, a lot of them have heard that. What? They know what arsenic is. All of them. But I didn't know. (sighs) (laughs) They were- You are sucking the, the fun the out well. of us. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, we're trying to lighten it because this is terrible. Arsenic poisoning is a terrible way to die. It is painful. It is very painful. I mean, it shuts your whole fucking body down. So immediately, doctors are like, okay, well, we've got to get him through this. But also, who the fuck is giving him arsenic? Like, this was obviously intended to kill him. And so they call the police. They interview Eric and ask him, who would want to do this to you? And Eric... Eric has no clue. Eric's like, I'm trying to find a cure for pediatric AIDS. Yeah. So during this time, his second stint in the hospital, poor guy, they took turns sitting by his bedside. And so his dutiful wife, Anne, with her gorgeous curls, because you yep. know she looked like a million bucks. She yep. had her tips on. Yep. She had her her cute coals, pedal pushers. Yes. Took the overnight shift. So it's 1 a.m. and she went for a little walk around the hospital, which is, you know, usual. And she came back a half hour later and Eric flatlined. He was in complete and total cardiac arrest. And the doctors did all that they could to save him. But sadly, Eric died and was by his side when it happened. So now, obviously, the police are like, we have to figure out what happened. We have to figure out who did this. They speak with his peers, his colleagues, and all of them are like, Eric was a wonderful human being. Literally no one said a bad word about him. And they're like, we we don't know what to tell you. We have no idea who would do this. And they were like, maybe it's at the place where he works. And it's like he was curing pediatric AIDS. I doubt the place where the central focus is to save children with AIDS would have large quantities of arsenic. You all need to look other places. Yeah. It is, it's not at his work. Now, they tell us that arsenic poisoning is generally done by someone close to the victim. You have to have serious access to them on a daily basis in order to pull it off. So, obviously, investigators start digging into Eric's personal life. They search his home, his computer, nothing. But then they check Anne's computer, and they realize quickly that Anne was leading a double life. She was having an affair. Shock and surprise to no one with a man named Daryl Willard. And they had exchanged tons of emails. And one of the things that we had put an early priority on was finding out exactly what kind of relationship this was. They had hundreds of emails. I'm sure they were not exchanging seven-layer dip recipes. You don't need to elongate the suspense. We got it. Chances are... Listen, he was cleaning out the cobwebs in her womb room. Yeah, we know they weren't sending back and forth chain letters to avoid getting bad luck. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and it turns out Daryl Willard was a coworker of hers, and he was also married. And people at her job, you know, her coworkers, they had noticed that Anne had taken an interest in Daryl, and Daryl enjoyed the attention. Now, remember, at the lab Eric worked in, detectives didn't find any arsenic. However, tell them what they found in Anne's lab. Arsenic. Yep. (laughs) But the question still remains, how would Eric have gotten the arsenic into his system? Because remember, he went to work that day, played tennis, went bowling, out of the blue. He was hit with this flu-like stomach bug, right? Yeah. Well, remember that night he was bowling? Guess who was bowling with him? That would be Daryl. 
True. Who are you? Perry Mason. Yeah, you're good. I mean, that is wild. Also, I didn't know this. They tell us on the episode that they used in that lab, they used arsenic as a cleaning agent for glassware. I was very confused by that. I was like, oh, okay. So yes, Daryl was there. Not only that, Daryl bought beer and handed out individual glasses to all of the guys, including Eric. Investigators accessed Anne's phone record. In the months leading up to Eric's death, Anne had made dozens of calls to Daryl, spending nearly 10 hours on the phone with him. Anne had been bold enough to actually call Daryl Willard's house at odd hours. I mean, 11 o'clock at night, 4.30 a.m. Bada bing, bada boom. There's hours and hours of them on the phone. Remember talking on the phone all the time? You hang up. No, No, you you hang hang up. up. I want to fall asleep with you. Yeah. Ugh. To the point where two hours before Eric had passed, Anne called Daryl. Like, you guys are bad at crime stuff. You're fucking stupid. Buy a burner phone, bro. I mean, while your husband is laying in that hospital bed fighting for his life, what are you talking about? Yeah. I can't wait to go to Fiji with you. Yeah. Like, what a piece of shit. So... Some people speculate she didn't give a fuck about Daryl, that she only was really using Daryl to kill her husband. And so police wait until after the funeral. They call Anne for an interview, and surprise, surprise, they can't get in touch with Anne. <laughs> She's like, I would love to, but seriously. No, seriously, I would love to talk. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I am busy getting blowouts. I am I am actually in mourning, and it's really hard to talk on the phone with this black veil over my face. Yeah. So I just can't. I can't. I would love to, though. I will be probably mourning for two to three to seven to maybe 45 years. Years, but thank you. Call me then. Yeah. Call me or email me. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So they interview the family, and they were like, could Anne have any part in this? Now, reenactment Eric's mom has this pristine helmet hair. <laughs> this actress was like, I am not going to be an extra. No. In this reenactment, without this head of hair, <laughs> believe you me, I will look for tits yeah. for this. You can't mess up her hair. You just tease it and make it look like a brown football helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they were like, no, go find who did this. It's not Anne. Oh, yeah. We love her. She loves him. They ha- No. They were so- angry. Yeah. now. Yeah. They were mad at the Let police her for mourn. even insinuating that. Yeah. To get to the truth, detectives paid Daryl Willard a visit. I say, Daryl, I've got a warrant to search your house. I want to talk to you for a minute. You've been used. You've been used by a woman, Daryl. The only thing he says, the exact words, yeah, and she's done a really good job of it. So now detectives go over to chat with Daryl and ask him what he knows about this. Not just that, they show up with a search warrant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to the chase. Yeah. So the detective sits Daryl down and says, brother, you got played. Mm-hmm. You have you have been played by Anne. And you know what Daryl's one response was? Yep. And she did a really good job of it. So uh, that's all he says. And he lawyers up. Yeah. So then the next day, they're in the police precinct and the news is on. And there was a body found in Daryl Willard's garage. 
what is even happening? They were like, oh, my God, is he involved in some other kind of homicide? He was not. Yeah. Sadly, Daryl died by suicide. He had taken his life and police call Daryl's lawyer in hopes that he will fill in the blanks. But the lawyer is like, I, I can't. I'm, I'm legally bound because of confidentiality agreements. I, I can't tell you anything. So I looked that up. I was going to ask. Yeah. It is not legally binding. It is more of an ethical conundrum. So he, you're thinking he was probably worried it would affect his business. No, I don't know what I thought. But I looked into it and he got a lot of flack for this, let's continue and then because something else happens later. Okay. But he, it wasn't, it's not legally binding. I wonder if they must have been friends. It's not like a HIPAA thing. Got you. Yeah. I'm thinking in my mind, okay, so maybe they were friends or. Mm-mm, they weren't. No. Oh. I, 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 I went deep with this attorney because I was like, but you could, do you know stuff that could solve this? Right. Well, put a pin in that because now the police are frustrated. Because they're like, well, Daryl died with the answers. We won't know the details of what happened. Meanwhile, two months later, Anne sells the house and moves back to Wilmington because everyone in Raleigh is like, that woman murdered her husband. Yeah. And she changed her life. She became an interior designer. She got a new boyfriend. Who's her boyfriend? Who's her Did that never come up? Like, the guy was like, so tell me about your previous relationships. And she's like, is that a Degas? I love impressionism. Anyway, who wants tacos? It didn't come up that your last two relationships are dead? You have a new boyfriend? I want a half hour to sit down with that boyfriend. Well, I also want more of a timeline, some specifics. Yeah. And here's the thing. Not once had Anne called the police to see if there was any development on Eric's case. Now, I will say, if I was a suspect in my husband's death and I didn't do it, I would probably be like, you fuckers are trying to pin this on me. I'm not calling you. I can understand if that. If you didn't do it, though, you would want to know who did. Well, that's that's the other thing I was going to say. Is it's like, Or you'd be like, you fuckers, have, are, I am innocent, but I'm still going to help you. Yeah. Exactly. But it was one of those things. But I'm saying I could understand why someone would be like, they're, they're just trying to get me. Yeah. However, the problem is, is the optics of that. Eric's family was like, don't you care? Yeah. We know you're not talking to the cops. You're not talking to us. What are you doing? You've moved away. You've started a new life. Don't you give a fuck about Eric? Yeah. And that didn't sit well with Eric's family either. Remember the phone call with Anne and her sister-in-law, Pam? You're not the one that has media chasing you down. You're not the one that drives around dark alleys trying to get into your home. I can't keep on living like this. I want it over. Wait, you know, if you would just, you know, talk to the police and talk to people, they wouldn't be thinking all this stuff. So back to that tapped call that we heard at the beginning of the episode. Basically, she's like, everyone is chasing me down, asking me questions. They're like, yeah, babe, your husband died under suspicious circumstances and you ran away. You didn't seem like you cared what happened to your husband, Husband. the father of your child. If you would have just answered these questions, it would have been fine. So stop running and nobody will be calling you these things. Well, and it didn't help that the medical examiner released the autopsy report and said, this man unequivocally died of arsenic poisoning and was murdered. Yeah. It literally says cause of death homicide. Yeah. It was still like mysterious, I guess, because he said cause of death, arsenic poisoning, but he died by homicide. Right. And like, I am no astronaut, but yes. go with me on this one. If Anne had arsenic at her work, 
and saw Eric in the hospital, six to the third power mm-hmm. divided by pi yep. times the root equals you're a fucking shady bitch. Yep. Yeah. I would agree with that math. Mm-hmm. I don't even need a whiteboard. Yep. I agree with that math. The problem is, is the police did not have enough proof to convict her, even though she was the only one around him who had access to arsenic. So in September of 2004, four years after Eric's death, there is a little breakthrough in the case that is a game changer. The Supreme Court of North Carolina ordered that lawyer of Daryl's to share the info that Daryl shared with him before he died because what they had found before was not enough to arrest her. Yeah. So, and now they have what they need to arrest her. So December 10th, 2005, she doesn't know what they have. Or she has no idea. what they know. But she has her day in court and she's going to learn today. Yep. Turns out the assistant DA read Daryl Willard's interview statement that he made with his lawyer. And she read this in front of his family, in front of Anne, the, whole, the media. And we're going to hear it. She was by herself in the room with Mr. Miller for a period of time. She then told Mr. Willard that she took a syringe and a needle from her purse and injected the contents of the syringe into Mr. Miller's IV. Holy shit, baby. You are busted and dusted. She knows it and the family knows it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's all over for her and... And it's all over her face. And on December 2nd, 2005, Anne pled guilty to second degree murder. Now, here's the crazy thing. And they keep talking about this, but I can understand. Anne looks like your neighbor. She looks like some church guy's wife. She looks like a PTA mom. She looks harmless. I wouldn't give her a second glance if I saw her at the Hobby Lobby. JK, I would never walk in a Hobby Lobby. But I mean, they just were like, The two things don't line up. She walked out of that courtroom with a bob haircut and a pair of khakis. Yeah, this woman looks like she organized the bake sale at the Mount Holy Olive Second Baptist Design Church of God and Christ over there in Wilmington. Yeah. She doesn't look like she was murdering her husbands with arsenic. Mm -hmm. But she did. She got 25 years in prison and she is eligible for parole in 2030. And she's at the North Carolina Correctional Institution for Women in Raleigh. I read about her trial. I read a lot about her trial. First of all, she was remarried to a Christian rock guitarist. Okay. And the family kept addressing her in court, and she wouldn't look at them. Of course she wasn't And they at were them. screaming at her. They were like, look at us. And she was just looking down the whole time. And she wrote a statement, like apologizing to the family, but she wouldn't read it. She made her lawyer read it. What a fucking coward. You know, I always say this. I'm always, I don't want to say fascinated, but I'm curious what the psychology behind someone who harms another person in that way is, especially someone like, in this case, Eric was just an innocent guy. I'm, I'm like... What what's going on in your head? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like what what mental health issue are you facing? Because it's just wild. Yeah. Also to think, did you think you were not going to get caught? Yeah. You thought this wasn't going to catch up with you. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Arsenic will show up in an autopsy, even if they don't know what's happening. Once the person dies, arsenic is going to show up. 
You work in a lab with arsenic everywhere. What were you thinking? And also they knew from the autopsy that the arsenic had been administered to him while he was in the hospital. Exactly. And so my other thought was about that lawyer. Why? Yeah, why? That lawyer thought he was standing on some precipice of ethics or something like that. I was like, no, you held up the investigation where a woman killed her husband and your client is deceased. I'm sorry he's dead and we don't fully know his part of this really. But a lot of people came down on him that he needed a court order to share that information. I wonder what our listeners think about that. I was very curious because let me tell you, if it were me, I'd be like, would you, you want 12 Xerox copies of each? Uh, uh, what do you need? He was gone. Daryl was gone. What were you protecting? You were protecting the rights of a deceased man who held the answers to a woman who killed a little girl's father. Yeah. Well, I don't that's know. the other thing. That's the saddest part is that kid. Now that kid doesn't have a dad or a mom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That lawyer just rubbed me the wrong way. I read a little bit about it. Anyway, on to story two. It may be difficult to identify killer wives, but they can turn up just about anywhere. And that brings us to our next story. This is Middlefield, Ohio, population 2600. Mostly known as a great place to see Amish people driving horse-drawn buggies. But even in the most picturesque towns, sometimes bad things happen. We're going to go to Middlefield, Ohio, population 2600. And there are Amish people driving horse-drawn buggies. Well, we arrive in June of 2008 where we hear about Chris Mason, who was about to take a swim in the pool of her apartment complex. So 40-year-old Chris lives with her husband, 73-year-old James, or Jim, they call him both, and Chris's elderly mother, Marianne. And the plan is for all of them to get some exercise. Yeah, because they said that Jim needed exercise. And then this shady-as-shit narrator says, Heaven knows she could use some, too. I was like, (gasps) Jesus Christ, so we're fat-shaming people now? Oh, my stars! How did that get through the editor? Unnecessary. I really like this show, but that was unnecessary. So mother-in-law Marianne is in a wheelchair, but she can walk. She just has some health issues. But we see the video of all of them getting into the pool, and then all of a sudden it fasts forward, and there's paramedics everywhere. Yeah. The call was for an unresponsive male in the pool. Pools are so scary. And Jim Mason was lying by the pool. And the next thing you know, they were giving him CPR. And Officer Ed Samick is here. And he says that Chris told the police she was helping Jim with some stretching exercises. And he collapsed. She's like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Now, remember how we told you the paramedics were doing CPR Mm -hmm. on Jim? Well, Chris, the wife, is still in the pool like Esther fucking Williams. Yeah. Just without a care in the <laughs> yeah, world. Yeah, she's doing her calisthenics. Yeah. She's like, oh, pool workouts are really great because it gets your heart rate up and it takes the pressure off your muscles. So many benefits. I'm just going to stay in here. You guys are good, right? You look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, I'm going to do a couple more leg lifts yeah. while you, got, you guys, you let me know if you save his life. You ever tried doing a down dog in the pool? It's fun. It, it it's is. It's fun because you can't do it. Yeah, listen, these abs aren't going to flatten themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> You guys need my help? They don't need my help. No, I think I'm good. they're good. Okay. I think they're good. Okay, good. Because I was just getting getting my heart rate 
straight up. Yeah, and if one of you, if like the guy who's just, yeah, I see you holding that IV. Could you just push play on the boombox? I've got Bananarama in there. You yeah. like Bananarama? I love Bananarama. Great. Oh, arms are burning. Arms <laughs> are burning. You got to watch out. Is he okay? It's all right. Okay. It's okay. The rescue squad transported Jim to the hospital. Chris didn't even inquire about going. Instead, Chris went back to the couple's apartment to freshen up. So they take him off to the hospital, and Chris is in there with him. She's like, "I'm gonna, we're going to get through this together. Just kidding. She's back at the apartment beating her face. Yeah. She's like, you guys go. I'm going to finish here, and then I got to go home because the chlorine yeah. in my hair. I've got to do a deep rinse. And then or, a roll, uh, what do you call it, like a roll set, a set, yeah, curl set? Yeah, I got to set my hair. Yeah. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go do my face, and then let me know if he survives. Oh, these eyebrows aren't going to thread themselves. Or paint you know themselves. What I mean? yeah. No. Now, the police are standing around this pool trying to figure out what in the fuck happened. And Officer Samick reminds his boss as they stand there, you know, we were here a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We got, uh, apparently there were some phone calls about some screaming, loud noises. It sounded like someone was being hurt. And so they knocked on Chris's door. Yeah. And they were like, hi, we got a domestic violence or a disturbance call. And she was like, you know what? Oh, God. We were watching Sopranos. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that episode when he's like, you know, who's your fucking boss, huh? Yeah. Who's your fucking boss? Oh, my God. James Gandolfini. Am I right? So good. No, it's the Sopranos. Look, Jim's right over there. Jim, wave. Tell him we were watching the Sopranos. Yeah, Jim, do your Sopranos impersonation. You know when you say use guys? Yeah. Go ahead and do it. It's so funny. Yeah. Then we get cannolis. It's a great old time. What's going on? Everything okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the police are like, yeah, we ain't falling for that. So they separate Chris from Jim and they sit down with Jim. And Jim, y'all, Jim Jim is a frail man. He's older and he's, I mean, he's not well. And so. And he's also like not sharp. Like, you know, James, he's older. He was not highly educated. He's a little bit. He's a simple man. Yeah. They described him as being a simple man. And so he backs up the story. He's like, no, we're fine. We were watching The Sopranos. And he has no marks on him, yeah. no signs of abuse. And they're like, OK, I guess they just really I guess they just really like The Sopranos. Yeah. Luckily, there was an eyewitness. The security camera. Police got the tape from the apartment manager. I didn't tell them why I wanted to view it. I just told them that I wanted to see it. Though the video didn't have any sound, Officer Samek only had to spot check a few minutes to know that Chris's exercise story wasn't adding up. She was being extremely rough with him. So now this is where Deadly Wives meets See No Evil. Yeah. Because they're like, I wonder if there is a camera in the pool area. Turns out there, there is. was. This video, yeah. this is very, very disturbing. Yeah. I don't know what kind of uh, water aerobics class she took, uh, but Chris was being very rough with this man. I cannot reiterate enough that this man was very frail. She's picking him up, slamming him down in the water, pulling him, yanking him, dunking him under, shoving him, just being very aggressive and rapidly pulling him through water. And that's a lot for anyone. Yeah. I mean, the video is very wild. And also, not in the episode, Chris had training as a home healthcare nurse. That was her job. And she was fired for making bad decisions. I believe that. I was like, yeah, 
Let's add this to the list of bad decisions, Chris. Yeah. Once Officer Samick sees this footage, he grabs it and tells the manager of the apartment complex, please do not tell anyone we have this. If anyone asks, it doesn't exist. And he rushes to the hospital to check up on James. And then wife Chris shows up where mother her. And she's all done up like she's going to see Tuck Everlasting on Broadway. Just kidding. No one saw that. Not a single person saw Tuck Everlasting on Broadway. Oh, poor Neil Haskell. <laughs> He's so cute. He was on So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah, she's lip glossed up, tits up, and she didn't ask any questions. Not a single They're like, one. do you want to know what happened to your husband or what's going on? Well, guess what? You know, this actually makes me so angry. This man had a massive heart attack as a result of strenuous activity. And so the cops pull Chris's mother aside and they're like, can you tell us what happened? And she was very reluctant to talk. The police went back to the station to do background checks on the family. But as soon as they started digging, they realized there was a problem. Jim's 40-year-old wife, Chris, didn't even exist before the early 90s. We couldn't get any information prior to 1992. There was a reason. Big blonde Chris Mason was born sweet little John Volandingham. They checked into everyone in the family. They ran all their names and they're like, Chris Mason, Chris Mason. Wait, I can't find anything on Chris Mason before 1992. So they're like, there's something wrong with our files. Well, no, there wasn't anything wrong with their files. And that's because Chris had been assigned male at birth. Chris was a transgender woman. Now, Chris's sister Kathy is here, and she says Chris, growing up, was a very sweet kid. But as, as she got older, she was picked on a lot, called gay, all that shit, all the stuff that we go through. And after graduation, Chris transitioned, and she got a new birth certificate and started her new life. Now, good for Chris. Yeah. Absolutely. That is not easy to do, especially in 1992. Mm -hmm. But I am going to give you shit about this, Chris. Yeah. I, I support you in this. Chris changed her last name to Newton John, as in Olivia Newton John. May she rest. Because Olivia Newton John was her favorite singer. Cue the music. Xanadu. Yeah. I don't care how much you love Xanadu. Newton John? It's a Xanadon't. It's a... Did you workshop that down at the Comedy Cellar? No, but I'm going to. You were like, I got her. <laughs> this is going to be the merch from this show. Got her. Let's say Jim was very open-minded. He knew all about Chris's past. In fact, he'd been living with Chris's family since before Chris was born. Still with me? Now, this is where the story gets... Yeah, you got to follow along this story weird. because this confused me. So Jim knew all about Chris's journey. And the reason that Jim knew was because he had been living with Chris's family since before she was born. Yeah. Twist. Color me confused. Yeah, we get a little backstory on Jim. And Jim grew up in Seville, Ohio, graduated from high school, joined the military, was discharged. And then Jim met Chris's grandmother, at a restaurant they both worked at. Right. And Jim was looking for a place to live. And he moved in with, with grandma. her grandmother. So he was like an uncle, Uncle Jim. So when Chris and Jim had this relationship, it was a bit startling to the family. Yeah. Sister Kathy was like, it just was odd. I mean, 
a few years after Chris transitioned, they were getting married. Yeah. I don't understand. And the age gap. And they were like, I, it seemed more like companionship. Chris ran the household. Chris kept all the money. And Jim felt comfortable with that. No one seemed to think it was romantic or sexual. Not that it's any of our business. But all to say the family was confused. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, neither of us care about age gaps. But it is very fucking weird to marry a dude who you have viewed as your uncle your whole life. Yeah. Your yeah. entire life. Like since you were born. Correct. And, and so Jim got $1,000 a month from Social Security. And Chris would give Jim $20 for the month. And the rest she kept for herself. Yeah. That is really fucking weird. Yeah. So back to Jim in ICU. We also learned Jim didn't know how to swim. More than that, I found out. He was terrified of the water. And it's part of the reason I'm so angry watching that video. It's very, very upsetting. So the doctors then delivered the news that Jim was brain dead. He had a heart attack. He already had a bad heart. And basically, he was only sustaining life via life support. And Chris had to make that decision. So after a really grueling day of agonizing over whether to dye her hair blonde or go back to her natural color, Chris pulled the life support off of Jim, obviously with very little care or concern as to Jim's well-being. And so the coroner also listed that the manner of death was homicide. Yeah. Here's the other thing. The cops are zeroing in on Chris, unbeknownst to Chris. She's just talking openly about being the beneficiary to Jim's Social Security, his veterans benefits. And so now they're like, you, babe, you just gave us your motive. Yeah. Now, remember that tape? They have the tape. So the tape doesn't have audio. So it doesn't really seem like there's enough. They don't know if they he was putting up a fight. It's just it's really, really hard to understand what's happening with no audio. So they needed to start asking questions to everyone who knew Chris and Jim and the inner workings of their relationship. Yeah, they didn't want some defense lawyer coming in and and spinning what was on the video right. so that Chris was exonerated. And so an ex-boyfriend came forward and talked about how violent Chris had been with them. Apparently, Chris hit this person with a frying pan that had hot grease in it. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about somebody who's like shoving. We're talking about someone who is violent. Everyone was kind of scared of her. Yeah. And that person who gave that statement told police, you really should get Jim out of there because Chris will murder him. Mm-hmm. That was after Jim had already died. Yeah. That's exactly what police needed. They brought Chris in. I'll ask you a question, and I need you to be completely honest with me. Was there violence, whether it be mental, emotional, or physical, between you and Jim? We 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 were we were we were we were mental with each other with our mouth. We were verbal. Yeah. You know, we we swore at each other. In, in what way? I mean, like you know, you lazy, no good, not for nothing. And he's like, well, you go to hell too. You know, we 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 did that with each other. So we see her police interview and they were like, was there violence in the home? And she is playing this down. She's like, I mean, you know, like we were like a verbal, like, you know, like you, you silly McGillicuddy here and there. And they were like, okay, so was Jim afraid of you? And she's like, he used to say that, but he is 
He is silly. I I used to I called him silly silly Jimmy. That yeah. was that was his nickname. He was a silly goose. And he just said that stuff. He would be like, I didn't really mean I was afraid of you. I was just mad. No. Because he, that's what people say when they were mad and they're like, I was just kidding when I said I'm terrified of you. Yeah, he I was, was just the kidding. silliest of all the gooses. And y'all, it's very weird because I'm not lying. She's sitting here acting like she's on the fucking Johnny Carson show. Yeah. It is a a three-ring circus of bits. It's just, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And so the truth is, James depended on Chris for everything. And James had nowhere else to go. Yeah. Remember Chris's mom, Marianne? Marianne lived with them, and she saw everything. Yep. And guess who she was also scared of? Chris. Chris. Yeah. And she said, the truth is, I told Chris, I'm moving out. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't want to be here anymore. And so that meant less income for the household. It meant that Chris would be taking care of James or Jim all by herself. Something she probably did not want to do. Yeah. So everyone is scared of this woman. And so then they were like, so explain to us, like, in your own words, what happened. And she was like, oh, okay. So we're playing in the pool. We're playing like sharks and minnows. We're doing like little hand splashies. I was doing like handstand competitions. We were being silly. Yeah. We were having a silly day. And um, we were just, we were having a blasty blast, you know? Yeah, put a pin in that. She's telling the cops all of this thinking they don't have any security footage. And you know why she thinks that? Yeah. It's because they found out that she had gone to the apartment building manager and said, hey, that security footage from the pool. I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. And the manager was like, oh, actually, that camera's broken. Yeah. We don't have it. And Chris is like, what a shame. Yeah. I uh, really wanted to see me doing that handstand. Yeah, it was so good because I counted 13 seconds and Jim said it was only 12. And I wanted to, oh, man. You know what? Leave it to Jesus. We'll find out later on. Yeah, we will find it. Yeah, no, bitch. No. It's called karma and it's pronounced ha, 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 fuck you. There's a tape. Right. So she's thinking she can spin this however she wants. And that's when the cops are like, I mean, she was literally saying we were holding hands and waiting in the water. Yeah, I was. he needed exercise. We decided to take and gauge how many times she blocked his exit from the pool, how many times she took him from the edge of the pool while he's trying to rest. When he looks like he's exhausted, he's just heaved over the side of the pool. For her pulling him back from that, back into the water, we had counted 43 times that this occurred. 43 times. So in this video, they counted on 43 separate occasions that he was trying to get out of the water and she blocked him 43 times. This man was gasping for air, leaning over the side, trying to go up the stairs. She kept bringing him to the center of the pool, making him swim back when he didn't like swimming. He didn't like the water. It is so sinister. You know, they all get me. Every case gets me. This just, it just breaks my heart because this man trusted her. And like, we, they say this, he wouldn't even take a bath. He yeah. took a shower. He took showers. Because he was so scared of water. And this man is trusting you enough to get in the water and he's trying to get out and you block him 43 times. She was torturing rot in, him. Yes. Rot in hell, you fucking cunt. Yeah. They let her talk for like an hour and paint this whole picture of this fun they're having in the paddling pool. And they were like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you done? Yep. Do you want to watch a video? And I promise you it's not too Wong Fu. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, no, I don't think I want to watch that. No. And they're like, 
no, 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 we're not going to make you watch the end. We're just going to watch parts of it to see what this holding hands and dancing in a circle in the pool looked like. Yeah. And so they did. And she starts freaking out because she's like, you're going to you're going to arrest me for murder. You're saying that I murdered my husband. And they're like, uh, we never said we just said we were going to watch a video. Yeah. They're like, am I being charged with murder? Am I? And they're like, we literally just are asking you questions and Showing you this video. Yeah. You're you acting good? weird. Yeah. You're you're saying that you just was doing stretching exercise. You don't have to watch the part where he where he passes. We're gonna try to get you to explain some of the incidents to us. Yes, There's me bringing my mom in here. Yeah. And I turn on the video and she goes from this really upset, oh I can't watch it, can't watch it, and she just snaps and goes, Oh well see now right here, I'm supporting him. I mean both of these times, I mean he's totally submerged underwater there. Okay, I'm just trying to let him kick with his feet because I'm holding his arms. Eventually, the cop is like, look, based on what we saw, it's violent. This wasn't a fucking pool party. You were aggressive with him. And she changes her tune real fast. She's crying. And then finally, they're like, just watch the video with Mm -hmm. us and explain. And she goes, okay. And she pulls it together. She's like, look, there we are. We're having fun. Look, I'm supporting him. She's narrating it as they're going. She's She's like, see, he's doing splashies. Look at those splashies. I was saying, Jim... Great, there's no audio. I'm saying, Jim, great right. splashies. She was caught. There was no explaining. She was caught and she was arrested and pled guilty to reckless homicide. But and, you know what really pissed her off? Oh, yeah. Tell him what pissed her off. Dear Lord, the mugshot that they posted in every newspaper, we hear her and I don't know what interview with a cop saying this nonsense while the cop just stares at her. They say this woman, it's just all three names. You know, twice his size. My guy was 170 pounds, so I was 270, but I'm not. I'm 240, so I'm losing it all. I'm going to drop this, get the hair platinum, get it long, and move on so I'm not recognizable. Because everybody's going to remember that photo. <laughs> what a dumb bitch. She, who took this? They said to, I am not, can you? Can we just have another article that says I'm 240 and not 270? Literally. I did not okay this picture. I did not okay this picture. You murdered a man. You murdered a man who trusted you and you're talking about how you're going to dye your hair black and lose weight and then have pictures so that you look good in it. Oh. Girl, good luck. stars. Like that, that is crazy. Yeah. So because there was no audio and they couldn't, here if it was intentional or sinister the charge of reckless homicide is not murder it is not murder basically she exercised him to getting a heart attack she exercised him to death tell them how long she got in jail she got four years in prison and was released in november of 2012 now let me tell you as obvious as it is to me in that video what she was doing I get why they couldn't give her longer. I totally get it. I mean, it's two people could look at that video and have different opinions on it. Do I think that anyone would look at it and be like, that is too aggressive? But you can't prove intent. Yeah. That way. Yeah. And she did not attend Jim's funeral. Not in the episode. What a fucking bitch. So I just have a couple things to say at the end of this. So, yes, Miss (laughs) (laughs) Newton-John should be punished for killing her husband or punished by society for whatever. However, the headlines for this were really inappropriately salacious. Mm. The headlines read, when I was researching this, I was really taken aback because the headlines said, Ohio transgender woman sentenced to four years in prison 
man exercised to death by sex change wife. I, w- I was like, is this a bit gauche? Like, and I'm not saying that the New York Times is like the epitome of class, but their headline read, woman gets prison in husband's death. It was a bit clickbaity. The transgender Very. part it's... was a bit weird. Sex change wife. I was like, okay, do better. That is part of the story. It does need to be told. That doesn't need to be the headline. I yeah. thought that was pretty tacky. It when is. you Google I mean, it, it, it comes up a lot. It is meant to be salacious. It is meant to be clickbait. I mean, obviously, it's like the same as somebody being like, black woman commits crime. You yeah. know what I mean? It it's just gross. a bit much. Yeah. But I do want to say that this brings up something we've actually never talked about, and that's elder abuse. Yeah. That abuse can take many, many forms because... It can be neglect or physical assault because the elderly people are so susceptible, especially ones with who may be suffering from dementia or disabilities. So I just wanted to to mention, because we, this has really never come up, but if you do suspect anyone that you know or love is the victim of any kind of elder abuse— There are a lot of state resources from the National Care on Elder Abuse. It is a very real thing, and it can be very serious and life-threatening. So if you don't feel comfortable calling your local police or 911, you can also reach out to Elder Care Locator to find someplace in your state. And that number is 1-800-677-1116. I feel like that is probably a very low reported crime. We yeah. have never had a case on elder abuse. Yeah, this one got that they got me. It was he was so frail. Yeah. And it was so demented and evil. Yeah, and the man didn't stand a chance. He really didn't. It was really upsetting and I could not find her anywhere. I looked. I looked everywhere. everywhere. I looked on all social media. I, I just was like, I know you. She, she said, I'm going to dye my hair black and all that. I'm like, I just know she looks like Liza Minnelli somewhere. Yeah. She's probably playing the matinee Sally Bowles probably. somewhere Yeah, Agreed. in Piedmont, North Dakota. Say yeah. something funny. Well, I will say this. I do think it's time that you do yourself the favor and go over down to the hair today, die tomorrow salon. Let them trim your bangs. You make money. Let them do it for you. We don't need to see the zigzag effect looking like Courtney Cox in Scream 3. <laughs> what do I think of Deadly Wives? It's good. I like it. It's a good show. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very, very... And a lot of accurate information. Everything I was fact-checking on my end, it was it was very, very well done. I like it. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, because women can be deadly, but the ones that are married are totally different. <laughs> totally different. Well, because we gave you the bonus, bonus episode of See No Evil, we will be covering just three episodes of Deadly Wives so that we can kind of stay on track. That's a new thing for us. That's our new resolution for the middle of 2023 is staying on track. If you would like to find us on socials, we would love to connect with you. Please find us on any platform at I Think Not Pod. Also, if you are feeling fancy, we would love for you to give us a five-star review on iTunes. That does help new people find our podcast and come and laugh. And And I read them. And Joey reads them. I will not. If you want to say something nice to me, you can DM me because I read all of this. (laughs) And tell them about the Facebook, Joey. You can find us on Facebook at 
formerly known as Obsessed with Disappeared, now I think not podcast discussion Someone group. put this boy out of his misery. <laughs> we love you so much. Thank you for letting us come into your ears once a week. And if you'd like to be two times a week, go and find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash I think not. You can get lots of bonus, lots of fun. We take all of your suggestions and we just, we love the crap out of you. We and listen it, to you. We're here for you. That's our job and we love it. We and we love you and I love you, Yellow Moon. I love Marsh. you, Joey. Love you too, baby. Love you, Don Vichy. Love you Bye. Aging has done a number on your ego. Well, I listen, am sick of it. Not my ego, but yeah. it is slowly eroding my brain. I will say it's that. It's like, remember in Sex in the City when Trey could finally get it up and he's like, will you measure my John Thomas? <laughs> and he was like so obsessed with his penis. <laughs> yes. It's like you. Oh, well. Anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> And he was Purina. And he was, well, now you're, I'm in my head about it. <laughs> now I brag and I say things weird. Yeah. Well, uh, and he was pre-med. No, you did it again. I don't know. He you was say. pre-med. Oh, and he was pre-med. Like, you, he you was did pre-med. It again. No, you're doing it weird. You're putting the wrong emphasis. You know, it's really fun when people, oh, when you got a microphone in front of you and you're doing a live show and somebody's just berating you about how you say shit wrong. You know what? Say Say, uh, uh, what's that word that you can't ever, you stumble on? Dispatch. Dispatch. Say it again. Dispatch. All right, well, you got to do Remember when we visited Cesar at... Cesar? Why did I say Cesar? What is wrong with your brains today? Can you today? just leave me alone Cesar? and let me get through this, please? He listens to this podcast. I can I spell arsenic. A-R-S. I-N-I. I can't. No, I can't go tonight because um, Joey's sick. Yeah. Yeah. No, he does. He still has it. He has the cunt. Okay. <laughs> no, he's uh, still a cunt. Yeah. I will. I will send your condolences. <sighs> Golden Girls. <laughs> You're making my rib hurt. 